All right. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm your host, Nathan Holritz. This is the Boca Podcast, and welcome to this live stream of the Boca Podcast. If you're listening to the audio version of this after the fact, uh, yes, we do live stream every single episode of the Boca Podcast. And if you go to youtube.com slash Boca Podcast, you can subscribe there and turn on notifications. Not only keep up with the latest episode, but find out when the next one is as well. We post those ahead of time there. So make sure you follow us there, instagram.com slash Boca Podcast. And, uh, you know, I don't say this very often, but this podcast is produced by Photographer's Edit. So if you are in the middle of busy season right now and you are just overwhelmed with editing, make sure you go to photographersedit.com as well. This episode is produced by Photographer's Edit by Jill, who heads up our digital marketing at Photographer's Edit. So shout out to Jill as well. And then one other quick note here before we get started, uh, I promised our listeners you all listening in, watching live, that before every episode, I would donate to Charity Water. And I just want to pop up my receipt to Charity Water, the donation to Charity Water today, just a few minutes ago. Um, and I only do this just to encourage everybody. I was encouraged by one of our guests, Sean Lee, who came on the show and was talking about the significance of giving to community. And uh, for me, it made sense just to up the ante giving to Charity Water, which of course is an international organization. But I just want to encourage everybody listening in. We have the means to give a few bucks here and there, take advantage of those opportunities, make a difference in somebody's life that way. Um, it's amazing how even just a little bit of money can go a long, long way. All right. I want to introduce my guest for today. Daniel Moyer is here with me. Daniel, thank you for um, braving the... Um, I, did, have you had any kids knock on the door yet? Nope, no, no kids. <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't worry, I better be quiet though so they don't find me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. We were, so anybody watching live, by the way, anybody watching live, don't hesitate to ask questions, comment, join the conversation today. We're going to dig into something really great. I'll touch on that here in just a second. But Daniel and I were talking before we got started. Um, we're at slightly different stages of the parenting game. I have a 19 and 16-year-old. And Daniel, your kids are how old one more time? So I have a five-year-old and then two-year-old twins. So it's... It's something around here. Like I was just saying before, there's like goldfish and, and veggie sticks smashed into the carpet. So I have like a very small window that I can hang out and it looks clean. <laughs> well, and we, we already have a comment. Uh, Colin actually says, nice shirt choice, Daniel. So I'm, I'm posting that up here. Um, it looks like your friends are already giving you a hard time. <laughs> it's yes, awesome. they are. Keep it up. Keep it up. All right. Oh, well, I want to, so for everybody listening in and or watching, um, I want to just read this. And in fact, I'll pull this up on the website. And then for those of you who are not watching the live stream, this is one of the benefits of watching the live stream. Uh, we actually, ooh, let me actually push the right button. That would be a good thing to start with. <laughs> one second. You know, what I, what I did, uh, Daniel, is I uh, just recently updated my keyboard shortcuts here on, on our software, and that was, that was throwing me a loop. I, I actually pushed the, the uh, incorrect, shall we say, keyboard shortcut, so let's see if it's going to actually work. There it is. Ooh. All right. So um, I, I want, for everybody listening in, I, I just wanted to briefly introduce Daniel by reading this bit on one of his two websites. We'll talk about all of them here in just a second, but focusphotographers.com, and it says, this is the moment everything changed. In just four short years from this photo, we'd have three kids under three years, our oldest daughter followed by a surprise fraternal boy and girl twins, hashtag blessed. I knew I needed to get my, get my business and lifestyle in shape. Despite having a six-figure wedding photography business from year two, I had nothing to show for it except mountains of debt. Panic really set in when I had a dry spell and didn't book a wedding for over six months. With no one to blame but myself, I used this as the kindling to transform my life, my business, and my relationships to make the following years 
more meaningful, joy-filled, and more profitable than I could have imagined. And now I'm on a journey to help other photographers discover exactly how to do it their way. And uh, that's, I mean, that's a pretty powerful introduction. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about the details here in just a second, but man, what an impactful story just to, to start us off. Yeah. So let me just say, like, I don't know what struggle is. There are many people who, who have way worse than I have, right? That is, um, that is my life. Uh, I thought the key to a good life for a while was um, spending on credit cards and, and a whole other subject that we probably won't go too far down. But I had a toxic relationship with money, and mm. that was a period that um, uh, was the, the catalyst for change in, in my life and coming up with these concepts that we're going to talk about. Can I ask you a quick question? You, you mentioned... Mm-hmm toxic relationship with money. And I've I've talked before in the podcast about how I really had very little perspective about managing money as a business owner, as a photographer. I grew up with very, very little money and um, I didn't really know how to manage even like the idea of getting a check for $500 back in the day was a a big deal when I started photographing and then to get a check for a thousand dollars or yeah, exactly. $3,000, $5,000. And, and I'm not thinking proactively about how then to effectively manage that money. Can I at least ask the, the brief version maybe of that, that tox, the, the toxic relationship you were referring to? Where did that come from? Yeah, so it came from a whole bunch of stuff I saw when I was younger. Uh, the first thing was like the perfect family in the Catholic school that I went to, right? Won $32 million. Right? And they were already like the perfect family. $32 million. They took it right away, got $18 million. And within three years, this perfect family was ripped apart, right? Wow. So it's like, oh, you see that? It's like money changes people. And then me being very young and naive saying, oh, uh, who are the people who drive like jerks? People with fancy Audis and Mercedes, right? Like uh, it was just something I was naive and didn't understand. And, and that and seeing my parents, you know, very... Uh, simple blue collar people. My mom, my dad was a produce manager. Mm-hmm. Um, him working, he worked extra jobs. My mom was a Mary Kay lady, and us like feeling like we're scrounging by, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. okay, my parents are working really hard, but money's not available to them. So then it's not available to me. So I thought, money changes people. Money's not available to me. I don't want to have anything to do with this. So money, as I got older, it would come in and it would go out as quick as it came in because I just said I don't. I don't want too much of it or I don't know what the exact reason was, but I just did not um, take care of it uh, as I should have. And yeah, that's where it really came from. It was not not a good situation. <laughs> well, and, and Joe actually is chiming in here. And, and hey, every, everybody watching, forgive me, these keyboard shortcuts for some reason are freezing up on me today. Um, yeah, Joe, shout out to Joe Danton, who was on podcast. We were just talking about episode, what was it, 263 or 253? Something like that. A couple of years yep. ago. Um, thanks for listening and chiming in, Joe. Uh, I really appreciate that. And, and also for your contribution to the podcast, too, a little while back. But uh, this is, you know, I mean, this is an interesting point of conversation that could be probably two or three or four episodes in and of itself. But it's really interesting how our, our, the way that we're raised around money kind of shapes our perspective. And yeah. I think, unfortunately, a lot of times in photographers' cases, you know, we're, we're talking about people who want to be photographers, they want to be artists, but they don't really have a perspective about certainly running a business and yep. along with running a business effectively, it's managing those numbers. That can be really yeah. challenging. So I just wanted to get a little bit of a backstory there. I know that you've yeah. stepped beyond what you described there in that introductory story, and we're going to talk about how you did that here in just a little bit. But yeah. let me ask you, go ahead and ask the first question, if we get these buttons to work correctly. I'm going to actually jump back over to your, we'll, we'll go to your photography website. First of all, if I can, okay. let's see if we can get this to work yet, yet again, running into little, little glitches here. All right, there we go. We did it. 
Um, Daniel Moyer, photography.com for everybody listening in. Uh, and of course watching, you can see here, but Daniel, <laughs> I'd love maybe for you to give our, our listeners context before we talk about your, your coaching business, about your photography yeah. business. What is your photography business's brand position? Um, that I, if I could just narrow it down to like one simple, one or two simple lines, it's that I seek to blur the typical client photographer relationship and what that normally looks like. So for me, that's being wholly and almost to a fault invested in my couples, their relationship and their families. Wow. Okay. So I know that relationships have been really a pretty significant theme in the photography industry now for some time. How do you, how does this make you stand out from photographers around you? And of course, we're not calling out business name, individual business names here, but just from your experience, from what you hear, maybe around town amongst photographers, maybe from clients or potential clients, how does what you do stand in contrast to those around you? Yeah, there's, you know, so I have this like little photography group uh, of buddies that we all talk about business. And one of the guys in my group, he's constantly having like four or five minute phone calls and couples are booking him, right? And we always joke that his couples would never book me and my couples would never book him, right? So I tend to go after couples who want more than just like a, who, who want a friend to show up on the wedding day. Um, and so I, that's the perspective that I uh, come from. And I think, um, you know, everybody has their own thing, but I'm trying to scoop off more of those people who, um, who want to have their parents wrapped up in, in, in this process, right? So I love calling parents uh, prior to the wedding to understand their perspective, what they're excited about. And I have a story about, um, you know, why I started calling parents that we'll probably talk about later in the podcast. But yeah, I've just realized that that families are so important. And to a lot of people, a lot of photographers will say, oh, I'm not going to call the parents. Why would I call the parents? It's the couple's day. Um, and I've heard, uh, you know, I put a poll up a while ago in a Facebook group and nobody called parents. So, it's like, oh, OK, that's not maybe not a value to all couples, but to the vast majority of my couples, it is. So I feel like um, uh, I'm setting myself apart that way in coming at my couples from like the perspective that I know nothing about them and I'm trying to gain as much information about them as possible. I, I don't think I've ever heard of a photographer that calls the parents. I think that's brilliant. I mean, as close yeah, as we well get done. to our client's family on a wedding day where, I mean, I, I'm sure you've experienced this too. When we worked with a lot of our couples, it felt like we were part of the family. The way yeah. that they would invite us in and let, let us be part of that day, it wasn't just like we were you know, the, the, the hired photographer that happened to be there to do a job, they were treating us like yeah. family. And it was humbling, really, even to think about it now. That's fascinating. Yeah. Can, can we just kind of dig into that just for a second? Like, what, what does that yeah. phone call look like? What does that sound like? Um, so, all right. So I literally, this is exactly what I say. Hey, Bob, um, I'm calling because, uh, and a quick short story about why I'm calling is when I got married to my wife seven years ago, um, we love our pictures. They're amazing. Our photographer did a great job. But... Um, when I look at photographs from the reception, there's not very many of my dad. There's a lot of dancing pictures and stuff, and that's great. But I know why there's no pictures of my dad. It's because my aunt was there. And my aunt is not that important to me um, because I've seen her maybe five times in my entire life. She lives in, in New Mexico. Um, and I just didn't think to tell the photographer that my dad would probably like a picture of his sister and him, right? So he didn't get a picture of my dad talking with my aunt. So there are things that are important to couples or that are important to parents that the couple might not know about. So I guess what I'm wondering is, what is it that you're looking forward to when the mm. wedding day arrives? Um, and how can I serve you too? Because I'm sure you're excited about this and you've been thinking about this wedding for a long time, right? Wow. Okay. So are you doing this with both the groom, the bride and groom's parents, both yep. sides? Wow. Yep. 
I bet they're just like staggered by this whole experience. Yeah, I mean, a lot of couples like will say like I'll I know if (laughs) if the families are not super important or if or uh giving the mother of the bride a microphone is too much uh for that scenario but yeah a lot of my couples were like oh my gosh that would make uh, our parents feel so included and so welcome and the amount of times that i show up on the wedding day and the moms are just like oh my god i just can't believe how wonderful you are you talked with a couple you called me you asked what pictures we wanted and it's like uh, there are. I have one mother. Uh, I have one mother of. Well, I fo- I'm photographing all four of her children's weddings, and it's because of her that I'm wow. photographing all the kids' weddings. That's incredible. Well, it, it sounds it's like different. not only do your your clients are your clients big fans of you, but you also have other photographers that are big fans of you. Matt says Dan is the man. <laughs> so knowledgeable and humble. Um, and humble. <laughs> but this is great. Why? Well, thanks for chiming in too, Matt. And and y'all don't hesitate. For anybody else, I know that we have others live listening in watching. Don't hesitate to comment and ask questions as we go along, but I want to keep the conversation moving because we have a lot to talk about. We're already talking about customer experience, but I'll go ahead and ask you a question that I normally do our guests, and that is the biggest idea that drives the customer experience you provide to your clients. Is there one in particular that stands out? Um, so I can you ask that question again? Uh, I feel like um, it, it maybe broke up or something. Just oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, there, there, there does seem to be just a little bit of a, um, a little bit of glitchiness, and hopefully, maybe okay. Jill, our producer, if you can shoot me a message, let me know if you're seeing any issues on your end too. But uh, yeah, we're just talking about customer experience, and mm. I guess the, yep. the, the question that I'm curious about is the big idea or the big principle that drives the customer experience that you are providing your customers. I know this is a bit of a cliche topic, but I think. In fact, more so than ever right now when technology seems to drive a lot of a customer's experience. That, yeah. and, and in fact, as photography becomes more and more a commodity, you know, we can take a beautiful picture with our phone. So the yeah. experience that we provide for our customers is going to enable us to stand out as professionals, establish professionals even more. So, yeah, I'm curious what the big idea is that drives your customer experience. Yeah. So by big idea, I think you mean like a principle or like something that um, is like the big thing. Absolutely. Um, So for me, I think the way that like the biggest principle behind a good client experience, at least from the way that I approach it, is realizing that like my past experience, the hundreds of weddings I photographed mean nothing to this couple, right? Like I understand the framework of a wedding and a wedding day and I can offer some uh, some uh, advice on, you know, maybe timelines and things like that. But the circumstances, the history, the social, the economic, the family circumstances Mm. behind this couple that's brought them to today are totally different than every other person. And the sooner I feel like I realize that, that, that every couple's different, the, the more meaningful my photographs became because I was tailoring something directly to the couple rather than showing up and doing my thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I I think, I mean, this is an interesting one because uh, it's applicable really, or I should say it's relevant across the board to, okay, there we go. Can you hear me just a little bit better now? That's good. sounds like your microphone might've changed. Okay. Now are we good? Oh, that sounds really good. I like that. Okay. Goodness. I'm so sorry to everybody for these tech glitches today. I think this must be something about, I just got back in today, Daniel, from, from a conference. I've been away from a few, for a few days. Sweet. And uh, it looks like my computer's just trying to give me the hardest of times getting back into to the swing of things. So my All good. apologies to, to everybody. But I, All good. what I was going to say is I think that's an interesting principle, very much relevant across the board, whether it's personal or professional relationships, that 
as we're getting to know somebody, it's easy for us, and, and we're wired as humans to do this. It's easy for us to kind of project onto that person and start to make internal decisions about who they are and how they're behaving and what that actually tra- yes. what that means. And yep. we have to be careful not to go overboard with that because it can get us in trouble. We start to make assumptions, and assumptions mm-hmm. many times are at the root of the problems that we face in interpersonal relationships. So giving, giving the relationship an opportunity, I guess, to be its own thing and that person to be their own person without us yeah. projecting all of our stuff onto them, that's a really important lesson to be reminded of. That that's um, it's actually one of the biggest uh, keys that we're going to talk about. It's number one, uh, and it's it's that. Well, we're going to dive really deep into it, but it, there's a huge difference between knowing somebody on a deep level and knowing about them, and we'll talk about that difference in a little bit. Um, Fair but enough. yeah, I think there's there's a huge difference between those two things, and a lot of photographers just know about their couples; they don't know them on a deep level. Yeah, you're, I have to say, you sent me some notes ahead of time, and that, that point caught my attention. So we'll definitely get to that. We'll dig into that here in just a little bit. Talk yeah. to me about time. You already mentioned your kids. Mm. Having a family <laughs> having a family and running a business, it's, it's a lot to juggle, to say the least. And I think a lot of photographers listening in can relate to this idea. Is there a big idea or principle driving time management when it comes to kind of finding, and I know a lot of what we're going to talk about today is probably behind this question, but um, driving the way that you're able to manage time to juggle everything that you have to do effectively. Um, So this sounds like a work-life balance question to me, and that is something that the... I don't know, parameters and, uh, and boundaries that I've put on myself, you know, over the last five years have really been tested with the pandemic. Uh, my wife, uh, working from home. So, and being in the corporate world. So not being very flexible and me being full time dad because I'm self employed from 6 a.m. to 2 30 p.m. and then starting work. Um, so as a work life balance question, uh, I think this comes down to two things. And it's one, number one is that realizing work life balance. It is not something you ever achieve. It is, it is a uh, month by month, week by week, sometimes minute by minute decision um, to to say no more often. I think that's the next mm. thing. Is for me, it has become saying no more often and and owning my calendar, right? Um, owning my calendar and putting my family stuff in there first, and that that goes there first because it used to be, oh my gosh, I've got this engagement session rescheduled tonight. Let's have a date night. You know, now it's date nights are put in the calendar now. Uh, and we work around that and I'm relinquishing my time to my couples rather than, uh, like they're buying my time rather than all my time is my couples and I'm trying to squeeze in family time. Yeah. That makes it sense. was proactive versus reactive, right? I mean, if we were to Big simplify time. it, that's, that's huge. And well, that's huge on multiple levels, but especially when it comes to time management, this is my time. I decide how to use it first yep. and then, uh, and, and it's not about compromising the level of service we're providing our clients. And in fact, mm-hmm. I think in, in many cases, that actually enables us to be able to give them much more focused attention and energy when yeah. we do actually get the opportunity to engage with them. But we're not just constantly reacting to any and everything coming in. That is, that's a it's chaotic hard. space to be in. Oh, 100%. It's Absolutely. hard. Saying no is hard. Um, like I, I remember talking with Stephanie Case, who's this really wonderful um, uh, social butterfly on Instagram. And I ha- interviewed her. And she talked about how she's constantly putting things off and client meetings off to like the next week or two. And I'm like, that's so smart. Like, why do I always try to like smash things in this week? And then I'm super stressed out because I had like a generally light week and now I've smashed too much stuff into it. Yeah. Um, 
Just love that. Yeah. Say no well, more. <laughs> but I guess, of course, the, the natural devil's advocate response in many cases, though, is going to be, well, but what if I miss out on an opportunity because I didn't respond right then in the moment? How would you respond yeah. to a photographer that says that? Um, I think that it depends on what the scenario is, right? Like if you get a new lead c- coming in, get on that now, right? Like respond now. Um, you know, I, I'm always responding because that's the lifeline I think for us. But, um, if it comes to, I don't know, setting up a kind of like a non-essential meeting or something like that, like, uh, you don't, it doesn't have to be smashed in this week. You know, I always prioritize my client meetings within a certain period of time. Uh, I prioritize my new client meetings and an even shorter window, but there's like non-essential stuff that, that I can push out, um, a little bit without it, uh, uh, affecting the relationship that I'm building with the couple or the client or the vendor, uh, or another photographer or something like that. Does that make sense? Well, it's just a little bit more of a balanced approach. I, I think, I think a lot of times we're, we're, and it's, again, it sounds cliche, but we're functioning from this place of fear big um, time, and this kind of frantic. And I, I mean, I say this from experience, <laughs> so I can, I can, I can speak yeah. personally, but we, we've, we, and it's easy even now. I mean, I've been in the photography industry for, for 20 years, yeah. And I'm really, really excited about the growth that we're seeing at Photographers Edit and our other brands yeah. and what we're doing internally, building a team and all these great things are happening. I mean, like, you know, crushing 2019 numbers, not 2020, but 2019 numbers. Yeah. And yet, and yet it's still at times easy for me to get in that space where I'm functioning out of fear um, rather than with confidence and again, being proactive versus reactive. So there's a balance yeah. to be had there for sure. And yeah. um, I think you're, you're, Reminding, it's a good reminder for our listeners that you're sharing with them. Let it's me not kind of, easy. Oh, it's not easy. It's not easy, but we have to be, I feel like all, everything is cliche today, but the, in, the word intention comes to mind as well. Like yep. Being intentional goes along that idea with being proactive. We, yeah. We've decided the business model that we want to create and the reasons behind that are either driven by our personal goals. That enables us to be able to decide on a day-to-day basis how we're spending our time and ultimately yep. how we're engaging with our clients. And when we go into it with that proactive mentality, now we're not functioning in this, this haphazard, frantic state, but we're being yep. super intentional with the choices we're making with that time. And it, it enables us to not only run an effective business because it is yep. intentional, because it is focused to play to your yep. brand, uh, but it also, but it also <laughs> helps minimize the stress in the meantime. So that's good. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll come back to some more of that uh, in just a yep. second. Switching gears totally just for a second. Talk to me about okay. a favorite. You strike me as somebody who likes to read. Do you like to read? I love to read. Okay. All right. Because I'm even looking at this picture on your website here. We'll, we'll pop it back up on the screen for anybody who's watching live, but I'm seeing lots of books there in the bookshelf. So talk to me about one, maybe even two or three of your favorite uh, business <laughs> or self-help books you think that our listeners need to know about. So uh, to the left there is the Harry Potter shelf. So those are not yes. all business books. Okay. <laughs> uh, the vast majority of those books are my wife's. Um, but um, I actually was thinking about this question and I wanted to, I think that there's many areas of business that we all need to be shored up. We've already talked about finances. Um, so I kind of broke this down into like four categories that I think would be good to create a well-rounded business person. Um, I broke it down to business finances, personal finances, time management, and client experience. So okay. For business finances, Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. Um, that book is single-handedly the best business decision I have made uh, in the 12 years I've been running a business. If I would have wow. found that earlier, um, I probably could have retired already. Um, but it just has created uh, a system that I can I put into place, and I credit that with the reason why the pandemic wasn't as scary for me financially. Um, for personal finances, because I think this is something that uh, we're definitely not talking about, um, is A Simple Path to Wealth 
by J.L. Collins. Um, that book covers a little bit of everything. The mantra in that book is um, spend less than you earn, invest the rest, or invest the surplus, avoid debt at all costs. Um, those that book is tremendous. It talks a lot about like simply living. It talks about like the number you need to reach uh, to be financially independent. It's just a great, well-rounded book, and it also gives you actionable advice for the normal person. Uh, number three is uh, for time management. Long title here. Let me pull it up so I don't butcher it. Um, is manage your day to day, build your routine, find your focus, and sharpen your creative mind by ninety nine U. Uh, awesome book. Uh, like three page chapters with like little tidbits that are just really great and stick out to you. Um, easy to remember, easy to uh, implement. Um, things like how to manage a to do list. Um, okay. And then the last one is and on be, client before experience. You, before oh. you show that last one, sorry, uh, mm-hmm. this is by who again? I, I was trying to pull it up. Ninety nine U. We're talking. Okay, ninety nine U. It's this book. Oh, there it is. There it is. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was just trying to share. Okay. Yeah. And you were sharing it on, on screen there as I, so on Amazon for anybody who's looking in. Yeah. Scott Belsky, Fred Stella, Laura Merlington, number of, ton of people. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, they all do these like little like power chapters and it's the perfect, um, I'm a fan of a commute. So it's very hard for me to transition from like dad time to business time. Yeah. So I give myself a commute sometimes okay. like 10 minutes to meditate or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that book is the perfect commute book. Cause they're like, less than 10 minute chapters. Oh, I um, it. yeah. And so the last one is a book that will open a lot of people's, uh, minds. It will, uh, push people into a, a, a non-comfort zone discomfort. That's what we're looking for. Uh, and that one is, uh, on client experience. It's called ask powerful questions, create conversations that matter by will wise. It's a fascinating book about just like following your curiosity, asking great questions and and asking more in-depth questions, which is really the foundation of what we're going to talk about in a little bit. Wow. Okay. So we we uh, I was pulling those up on Amazon as you were talking too, Daniel. I appreciate you sharing that. It, that's a wealth. And I love that you, you're obviously a teacher because you're planning this as a well-rounded <laughs> group of books um, that they can build their business on. It, it, this kind of struck me too, as you were, as you were talking about this, uh, that as many books as business books as I've read and self-help books as I've read, I could probably point to, let's just call it four or five yep. that if I'd only ever read four or five books, business books, yep. we'll say just to start with that, I could largely run my business based on the principles in those books. And yes. I, I, I hesitate to say that a little bit because there's always nuance and there, there is mm-hmm. always something else to be learned. But the reality is that at the end of the day, there are a lot of, not even a lot, there are a few basic principles, really powerful, yeah. effective principles that can enable us to run a more successful business. And so for anybody listening in or watching, if you don't tend to read business books, you just got four great recommendations that you can at least start with. And we'll make sure to link to those in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Daniel, I don't know if you know this, but we actually have a site, and I'm saying this for our larger listeners as well, but bocabookshelf.com is a oh, collection cool. of the, the most popular recommendations on our podcast. So for anybody listening in or watching, if you go to bocabookshelf.com, you can see some of the most popular recommendations there as well. And um, man, I'm going to have to, I, I love that you love reading, Daniel. I'm going to have to get you a book too here. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. I okay. love to gift our, our guests books. So uh, we'll, we'll figure out which one works best for you in just a bit. I'm into it. Okay. All right. So I want to keep the conversation going because we're, we're going to get today into, well, very simply, five principles to transform a wedding photographer's business. Before we get to those principles, though, I, I'd love for you to maybe build on the story that I read earlier and talk about the pain points that led to this change. You alluded to it a little bit. 
would you say that there are two, three, four ideas that were really driving or maybe behaviors specifically that were causing the issues that led to you developing these principles that have made a difference in your business? Yeah. So let me start off by saying like, I'm a highly emotional person. So hey, um, join the club, man. Dude, it, uh, yeah, it's brutal. Um, but like, so this gets like hyper personal because there's a lot of shame involved in it for me. And so the, the, the catalyst for change came from, uh, shame that washed over me when we were having, so let me put it this way. A couple of years ago, I've been in business for 12 years. Um, um, going into like year seven, I think it was or whatever. And, uh, I, I think I have this wedding referral generating machine. It's like chugging along. Everything's good. And, uh, when the, smoke started billowing out of the engine and the proverbial wheels fell off of my machine uh, after I looked back at a six-month period and realized I had not booked a single wedding, mm. I freaked out because mm. I ha we had one tiny child, um, Alice, our oldest, who was, I think, two at that point. We were looking at having more kids, uh, which ended up being two. Um, <laughs> but I remember being like, I, I made good money this year. Like, I, I we made good money. Like, where did it go? And just looking through... Uh, like my bank account and be like, Starbucks, coffee, coffee, Starbucks, coffee, mm. coffee, coffee. And looking like end of the year, like I've got tons of debt. In 2018, we had $106,000 of debt, right? Mm. And uh, that was personal uh, debt and all that stuff. And I'm not sure. ashamed to say that now because we have been hammering on it mm. over the last couple of years and paying it down, right? Um, but anyway, long story short, um, the shame that washed over me when I realized that uh, you know, I was just mismanaging my money that I've been putting that money on, um, uh, on my credit cards. And, but now I have no money coming in cause I'm not getting any wedding leads. It just was scary. So, um, this didn't happen overnight, but I, I decided like it really happened over, uh, uh, one of my reviews, one of my past couples gave me, and I talked with her on the phone. Her name's Lauren. Um, and she's like, Dan, these photos are amazing. You are magic. And I remember her saying that and me like sobbing. Wow. Yeah. When she said that and, yeah. uh, long story short, I ended up going on this knowledge bender of, uh, reading like all the books I could find, looking at all the co conference notes and, and trade shows that I was ever at and just trying to find something. And, uh, the real change happened when I started looking at like education. And at the time there was, there was like two things that I would see. It was either this like step-by-step -step, uh, to success, right? Like here's these like five steps you need to follow rigid steps that, that weren't flexible. Or here's this, like, here's a way to get a hundred new leads tomorrow, but no, no way that felt like, okay, how do I nurture the leads I'm getting? How do I feel more fulfilled as a photographer? How do I, uh, I don't know, get the clients I, I want. And there's a lot more of it now. I think education is awesome now, but I, uh, I dove into my current clients and my past clients. And I was just asking them questions. Why did you pick me? What were you feeling when you picked me? You know, like, um, how, and I just started asking myself questions. How can I supercharge them? Um, and this really just came out of this, this necessity to want to build a better life for my family. And the way that I was doing things was not working. Um, and so I said, how can I get my couples to be my billboards, to, to just be so excited and so thrilled with, with what I do and, and, uh, the relationship that we've built that they can't help, but tell their friends about me. And so that's yeah. where those five concepts came from that became a, like a framework that, mm. that I could, I could act within and I could, I could morph to any business or my business and I could, um, I don't know, uh, interpret it differently. And so I think they're flexible, um, 
and that's that's really where it came from is it boiled down to these these five key concepts to take it to a new level so it started with a need to manage money better which again mm-hmm. i can very much relate to i've talked about that in the podcast but then also a need to kind of up the ante with the customer experience you were providing but what's interesting yeah. is you talked about the fact that you were booking a lot of clients mm-hmm. what do you think was enabling that and what made you despite that feel like you need to up the ante with the customer experience so I was booking a lot of clients and then there was this period of about six or seven months that I didn't book anything. Like I remember uh, like coming into June, July and like looking back at the, the beginning of the year because the last wedding I'd had was very strange, like October 13th of the year prior. Mm-hmm. So I had this long period where I didn't shoot anything. I didn't book anything. Uh, and I just, I panicked. Um, and so that was the big thing where, yes, I needed to manage money, but now I need money fast because I'm not, I didn't even book anything. Uh, and in short, I was taking my clients for granted. Um, and so that was me just kind of redoing everything and saying, what are my strengths? What do I need to double down on? But how can I, um, how can I make this repeatable, but not feel like I'm taking people through a step-by-step process and just checking box boxes along the way. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, back to that word intentional, right? So and yep. speaking of, um, well, writing, I'm, I'm actually going to take notes as you're talking about these five steps. <laughs> yeah. I've got a notebook and, and pen here. Um, not so much checking things off as writing things down. So let's actually yeah. dig into those five okay. steps. And um, maybe if you don't mind just listing them first, and then we'll kind of go back through one by yep. one and dig into them in more detail. Okay, cool. Um, so I'll list them out. And then uh, as we go through, I have like, like concepts are great. Um, but I also think if you want, like, depending on how much time we have, if you want to go into what they look like in practice, we can do that too, let's or at least it. in practice in my business. Cool. Yeah. You know what? In fact, let's just make, let's, let's we'll make it even easier. Let's just take one at a time. Um, let's okay. not even worry about listing them all out. Let's just take one at a time. We'll dig into them. We've got about 30 minutes here. So go to town. Okay. All right. So the first one is knowledge is power. And the more we know our couples on a deep level, not just about them, the better we can serve them. So, so what does that mean? Right? Like we as photographers have this social media questionnaire kind of knowledge where we're collecting information and we get to know a lot about the couple, right? Um, the best analogy I can think of is say I'm going to, uh, I can tell this person sitting next to me all about their future mate, right? What their hair color is, what their eye color, um, what their relationship is like with their family, what their favorite foods are, where they went to college, uh, what they want to do in the future, like what they love, what they hate, everything about them, right? You would tell them this person all about their future mate. At the end of that, this person sitting next to you would still say, wow, they sound amazing. I can hardly wait to get to know them, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like just because we know stuff about people doesn't mean that we know them on a deep level. Right. Mm. Um, and so I think it, email and, and questionnaires and all that stuff are really great. Um, they are good for gathering logistics, but, but right. talking with people on the phone, um, getting together in person, uh, and even snail mail, just sending letters and, and like a, a thank you or a social card, I think is how you build rapport. Like, like, I can, I can understand the details of the wedding within two months of the wedding, right? All the timeline stuff comes together, but trust and comfort is built over a long period of time. And I think that is built by uh, asking people questions uh, and just discovering what's actually important to them, treating them like you are an alien and just understanding who they are as individuals and who they are as people. Okay, so yeah, no, it, it's interesting to me for a couple of different reasons. One, I mean, it is... As I mentioned earlier, it is pretty commonplace for photographers to 
what they say is develop a relationship with their clients. And it does look different mm-hmm. for different people, mm-hmm. you know, all the way from the surface level questions like you're talking about to developing true friendships with these clients that last beyond just the wedding or the portrait session. Yeah. But I wonder a couple of things. So first of all, on a very practical level, what, how many of your clients want to get to know you? And maybe that sounds harsh, but I, I'm, I'm wondering, and by the way, I, I was one as a photographer who liked to connect with my clients. So this is not downplaying yep. the idea. I'm just curious though, too, on a practical level, because I realize that a lot of times we have conversations in the photography industry about really kind of high and lofty ideas that sound great to us yep. as photographers. But the question is, yeah. are they actually valuable to the client? Do you have you ever gotten feedback from clients like that in, in regards to whether or not they want that deeper relationship or they want to have these conversations or they maybe they just want the basic interaction of with a professional photographer, hire them, get the service and be done? What, what are your yep. thoughts on that? Um, yes. Uh, so my initial meeting, my my um, form on my website is all uh, generating a, a couple that will come out the end and and know that they want a more than just like the, the hired help. Right. Okay. Um, so the barrier for entry, uh, on my form on my website is a lot. Uh, I don't know if you still have the website up, if you want to bring up like yeah, the contact form, but there are several questions and I've had tons of people tell me, you know, don't like, it's too much for people to fill out. Right. Um, you know, who's the person you, that means the most to you and why? Right. That's that goes against what most people are saying. You want uh, you want your couple to be able to fill out the form on their phone in the bathroom stall at work. Right. Like you want it to be quick and gather the information and move on. But I think my goal is to start the conversation from the contact form rather than me trying to start it from the email. Does that make sense? Like I'm uh, it's more than just gathering some information. Um, It's let me uh, understand who you guys are as people, even from that contact form. And the message uh, thing on there that says, uh, you matter, your story is important. Please share a little bit of your story with me. Mm-hmm. I get paragraphs in there. And if wow. I don't get a paragraph, then you know maybe um, the person has just a little bit more of a, uh, they're more reserved. And that's okay. I'm not trying to make the couple something they're not. If the couple's not PDA, if they're not very open or if they're shy, let me just understand that. So I'm not running through them through a posing sequence that is like happy and crazy and, and all that stuff talking about like a practical, you know, photography level. Let me understand who these people are, uh, on this level, uh, on a very basic human level. And I don't have to make them something they're not. Uh, I think all couples, when they realize like the more I know about them, the more I, uh, I feel like I can show up on the wedding day and know what great photographs I'm going to take rather than showing up and hoping I'm going to get good photographs because I don't know anything about them. Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah. So, I, I mean, on a practical level, that the because my second question was going to be, what kind of questions do you ask? What does this conversation actually look like? Because most photographers, yeah. myself included, as especially as wedding photographers, we were used to literally, I mean, of course, back in the day, it was a piece of paper. I've been shooting for a little bit, but yeah. Um, taking having a, a paper outline and I'm sitting there in front of the client and I'm asking him a question and I write the thing down and I ask the next question. And I write the thing down and it was, it was a fact gathering mission. It wasn't so much mm-hmm. tell me your story. So these questions, as you pointed out here on your site, and I'll bring this back up as we're talking about who's the person that means the most to you and why uh, another one was you matter and your story is important. Please share a little with me about you and your story. These seem almost, uh, is it too simplistic to say that they're open-ended questions Mm-hmm. that enable them to tell a story versus just simply giving you facts. Right. And it starts the conversation. Like I can reply 
directly to what they say in there, right? Sometimes it's something, uh, you know, something silly or something about, you know, their wedding venue or that they love Harry Potter or I don't know, it could be any of those things, but I can, I can add like a little one liner or a two liner to make it uber personal in my response to them Mm. to get, to continue the conversation rather than reaching out and hoping that they respond to me. Does that make sense? It, it does make sense. It does make sense. And I have to ask you now, because you brought Harry Potter up more than once. Are you a Harry Potter fan as well, not just your wife? Oh, yeah. Big time. Have you been to Universal Studios yet? And to Harry Potter? Honeymoon. Yeah, Did yeah. you really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Partly for the honeymoon. Yeah. Not the whole thing, but yeah. That's fair. It was awesome. Well, I was just, I'm, now I'm projecting, but I, I picture, because you talk about being an emotional guy. I'm very much an emotional guy myself. Um, and, and I remember the first time I went to Harry Potter World. I'm not, and I'm not even like the guy that's read all the books. And, and even I think I fell asleep in some of the movies, but I, I just like it. I guess I yeah. love the imagination of it. And I first went to Harry Potter World and I just walked in and I'm like, I, it felt like I was almost there, you know, Diagon yeah. Alley and, and seeing the dragon, and the fire coming up. Anybody listening awesome. or, or watching who's not been to, to Harry Potter World and Universal Studios has to go. It's absolutely <laughs> incredible. Total yeah, aside from the whole conversation. Nope, at hand. All good. <laughs> <laughs> but I had yeah. to at least bring that up. Okay. All right. So I'm, I'm writing again. I'm taking notes um, and I okay. tend to be a little bit of a minimalist. I wrote down knowledge is power, but I, yep. I think what you just described makes a lot of sense. And we're talking about getting to know the not just facts about the client or about their day, but getting to know their story that gives context to the way that you engage and interact with them. Yeah, so let me let me put this out there. Um, there was uh, a bride a couple years ago. Let's call her Mary. Um, and Mary was awesome. We had a great conversation. Uh, and on a subsequent conversation, we started talking about family and that kind of stuff. And she she like clammed up for a second, and I could tell that she was hesitant to tell me something. But um, I just said, you know, uh, it sounds like that. Well, she was talking about her dad, and then she like kind of quickly changed and said, it sounds like there's, you have a close relationship with your dad. Am I right with that? And she said, yes. She told me about how a couple years ago, there was a family wedding um, and her dad had some substance abuse issues. He got super drunk at the uh, cocktail hour and basically passed out and wasn't able to be at the wedding. Right. And so, you know, knowing that a couple years later, now he is sober, he's clean. um, And she's saying uh, he used our wedding as the catalyst for getting clean. And I kept thinking like one, I was like, I need to talk to your dad. So I called him and I just asked him like, you know, what does this mean to you? Like that you're, you know, you're able to, you know, put this aside. What does it mean? You know, like he, he just said like, I can't, it was like a very simple answer. Guy with, uh, you know, few words. And he's like, I can't tell you what it will mean to dance with my daughter and be fully present with her. Mm. Right. And he's like, he's like, I still am tempted, but I can be fully present with her. And all I kept thinking was like, if I didn't ask this, if I didn't know about this, I wouldn't have seen and and wouldn't have looked for all of those like little lines of the story throughout the entire wedding day of like their interactions and their closeness. And yes, I would have covered the father daughter day dance. And yes, I would have, um, you know, gotten a speech that he did, but I, I, I had a, an awareness of another line of the story that I needed to be particularly um, focused on. And, uh, you know, that story goes deeper. There's more conversation around and that kind of stuff. But I just kept thinking, like, if I just would have said, oh, this is the couple's day, I'm just going to photograph the action, I would have missed that whole super meaningful story. And I had this, I had tons of pictures of their interactions together. And I thought that was uh, very important. And it's, um, it's characteristic of, of what I try to do is look for those things that are out of sight. 
that makes sense. It totally makes sense. And I still can't get over the fact that you talk to the parents the way that you do. I, I, I mean, it's fascinating to me because, well, again, I can't, I've, I have heard of this idea before outside of, you know, again, a logistical phone call, maybe talking to the mother of the bride because she's paying for something or mm-hmm. whatever. But like the idea of actually calling the parents up, talking to them. But then on top of that, the, the fact that you're able to call this gentleman and talk to him about something so personal and he's willing to share with you, it just speaks mm-hmm. volumes for the type of relationship you have with your client. And, and I have to say as well, as an addendum to that, that a lot of photographers talk about relationships. It sounds like you, you legitimately have like deep relationships with yours. And I think it's a beautiful thing. So uh, I'm certainly taking notes here, but I want to keep going. So we start with knowledge is power is the first big idea. Take us to the second yep. one, if you will. Yeah. The second one is, um, it's really how to differentiate yourself. We talk a lot about how to differentiate yourself. And I think, you know, the kinds of questions that I ask, um, especially in that first meeting, uh, like I could, I could say that I'm a personal photographer, but I, I think I have to show them by my actions because actions speak louder than words. So um, aside from the first meeting, um, I think differentiating yourself by everybody from everybody else out there by flipping the wedding photography script. Now, there is a script for every single transaction that we enter into, right? Like um, any service. So we go to a restaurant and what do you expect? You walk in, the hostess is going to seat you um, and they take your drink order. And then, the, uh, you know, the waiter comes over after a little bit and takes your food order, um, gets your appetizers, brings your drinks. And, you know, they, there's just this sequence of events, right? They're going to come up, of course, when you're taking a bite of your burger and you've got like sauce all over your hands and face and you have to give like a thumbs up, you know, um, there's just this like, you know, sequence of events, the check coming, all those things. Mm -hmm. The same is said for wedding photography. Couples have been to weddings, they've done research, they've talked to their friends and there's an expected series of events that they believe is going to happen. So how can we as wedding photographers insert um, a moment of surprise or delight into the wedding photography script that completely flips it on its edge, right? Like completely um, is surprising and delighting. In the restaurant world, it's the um, it's the the waiter who knows the uh, menu like the back of their hand or the sommelier or the um, uh, desserts compliments of the chef, right? For us, what does that look like in our own businesses? Um, I think. This is where that whole idea of like blurring the line uh, between what the typical photographer client relationship looks like. So in my business, um, I'm hyper emotional. I'm naturally a gift giver. Um, and I remember uh, when my wife and I were getting married, um, it was, you know, leading up to our wedding. I, I was still photographing weddings and everything. And I remember saying, that it just felt like we were being so rushed with everything. I said, okay, you know, at this one week to our wedding mark, I don't have any weddings. We're going to go on this like date and hang out. We're going to go to the beach and reconnect as a couple. And we had like a date night, right? I was like, oh, this is awesome. Let's, let's have like a date night, and like reconnect about the wedding because those three months before the wedding are super stressful. They are, and it's universal. Every couple is at risk of forgetting what the entire point of the wedding is as the minutia piles on mm-hmm. uh, in those last planning months. So I said, well, what if I just created like a date night box um, that goes out to my couples, maybe at that three-month mark or something, that is just like a little um, a little something for them, fancy, um, but this is totally on brand for me. Regardless of, you know, there's a huge, I feel like, uh, I don't know what you call it. What's the word I'm looking for? There's a huge... Uh, 
help me out here. What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there, there's like this thing, like people are either like for giving gifts or yeah. against giving gifts as photographers. Oh, um, interesting. But, so I, I give, uh, it's a lot of controversy. I feel like I really? mentioned it one time and everybody was like, oh my gosh, I would never give it a gift. The photos are a gift. It's like, okay, cool. Oh no, but, we, we used to, we had, fact, we worked with a local vendor and she helped us put together gift bags uh, from her shop, yeah. which was a highly curated shop in and of itself. It was a really cool experience actually that, I mean, our clients are spending a premium with us. So it made sense yep. that we'd spend a little, little bit of money and just do something to say thank you. Give something nice yeah. that is unexpected at the end of the day. I think it's a great idea. That is the key. I think unexpected and showing up out of the blue, right? Like I'm, I'm admittedly not a fan of just like sending a, a sign on gift more than like something sweet and like a note or whatever as like, thanks for booking me. Here's a, a treat for booking me. Mm-hmm. I'm all about, um, this is with intention. We keep talking about intention, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is the point of your planning process that you are potentially going to forget like what the goal of this wedding is and that's joy. So take some time to reconnect, no wedding planning allowed. And here's the start of it. Here's a date night box for the two of you, just a little something from me um, to get you started on connecting again and getting excited about the wedding. I think it's great. I I really like this idea, actually, the, 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 the notion of flipping the, the wedding script. photography script on its head, doing something outside of the norm because you're right. As humans, again, we have, in addition to having a tendency to project on people, we also have a tendency to to follow patterns and mm-hmm. and then follow patterns as a behavior. But then when we observe patterns and we get used to those patterns, it's easy for us to literally or figuratively fall asleep, right? And yeah. so then that, yeah. that thing in front of us becomes monotonous to our day-to-day yep. existence because we're used to bright and flashy things in 2021. So yes, you're right we that we, in order to make an impact, um, there are a variety of ways to stand out as a business, but one of the most impactful would be to do something truly out of the norm. Uh, and that's, yep. man, we could spend a lot of time there. I think it's a really fascinating concept, but we, we do have limited time. So I want to keep going. <laughs> yep. Um, and let's, let's jump to number three. What is that? I'm sorry. I'm long-winded. Not um, at all. No, this number is good stuff. <laughs> Okay, cool. Uh, number three is actually a, probably a pretty short one and very simple and straightforward. It's be along for the journey, not just the wedding day. It is so easy for us photographers to do all the work to get the couple to sign with us and then mm. fall off the face of the earth for the next year and all of a sudden, like the week of the wedding, be like, hey, I need you to fill out this, this questionnaire. I need you to tell me what the timeline is and I'll see you on the wedding date, right? Yeah. No, no, no. We... We, as photographers, we, this is where like photographing lots of weddings or even 10 weddings, if you're brand new, we have experience, we have connections. Uh, we also know how exciting the wedding day can be. So allow the couple to borrow that excitement throughout the wedding planning process. When they're stressed, you have seen other couples be stressed, but you know how amazing the wedding day still turned out. So be that trusted advisor, be, um, along for, for that process, right? Like, the way I think of it is if my close friend were getting married, right, that I'm not going to be the wedding photographer. I'm going to be a guest there, but they know I'm a wedding photographer. They know I'm in the industry. What kind of help would I give them? What kind of advice would I give a, a very good friend of mine who's in the thick of it mm. um, and who needs my connections, who needs my resources, who needs just help with the timeline? I'm not trying to take a, a wedding planner's job, but I do know some things about how long it takes to get the kind of photos that couples are hiring me for. Um, and, uh, so I know some, so what does this look like in practice, right? So in my business, um, I, whether or not a couple does an engagement session with me, um, is irrelevant, uh, to this, but I, I treat it like every single couple does. Uh, so I will 
there's this one couple uh, who lives in Delaware, which is about an hour away from me. Um, and this was two or three years ago now. Uh, they said, Hey, will you come down? We, we've only gotten to meet over Skype. You know, I'd, you know, we'd love to come you down and, or love for you to come down and maybe take a ride around Wilmington with us. And, uh, and we can show you some of the places we're thinking about for the wedding and we can grab a bite to eat and talk about the timeline and that kind of stuff. So I drove down there and that couple is in a little group of a bunch of other couples who have all used me. And there's this one couple who did not use me. And that couple found out that I was going down to Delaware um, and going to hang out with this couple. And they're like, wait, wait, why, why is Stan going down there? Hmm. And they're like, oh, he's just like come down. Like, we're going to take him on a bike ride. We're going to like, you know, show him some of the place we're going to photograph at. Um, and he's just going to like come out down, hang out and talk about the timeline. And they're like, oh, our photographer said that he would just talk to us the week of the wedding. And that couple felt like they were missing out. Right. Um, yeah. So I think that there are. Uh, little things that we can do to just like heighten that experience. And if it's, if every couple does, or if every photographer does an engagement session already, why not make it sh- possible to do one in-person meeting, you know, always or something like that. So, yeah. So how do you effectively bring this level of service though? If you're, are you, are you limiting yourself to a certain number of weddings or clients a year in order to be able to have the space to give that kind of time to the client? 20. Yeah, I'm okay. pretty yeah, pretty hard cap on that. And that's the work-life balance thing. It's saying yeah. no. It's um, you know, uh, I I've found that my couples well, it's you know, I think it's a universal thing that money spent is money forgotten, right? Uh so I think it's possible that as a trust and comfort is built, um that if I offer buying decisions throughout the process that couples may end up paying for more than just that initial, you know, initial Mm -hmm. consultation. Right. So this is also an investment, right? There's, that's probably another whole other conversation, um, is spreading out buying decisions. Uh, so this is not just this couple is going to pay me $5,000 and then I'm going to like do all these other things. You know, I'm trying to build trust and comfort so I get better photographs on the wedding day, but also so, which is going to be going to be one of the next things we talk about so I can help them, uh, and understand what's meaningful to them. So when it comes time to say, Hey, I think you should spend a thousand more dollars on more hours or a thousand more dollars on an additional photographer. That's a good, they trust me when I say that. Okay. So we're going to get to that next point here. I just want just for review for everybody listening in or watching knowledge is power. Number one, number two, differentiate yourself by flipping the wedding photography script. Number three was be a part of the journey, not just the wedding day. A good, yep. good reminder, especially with a such a relationship-centric conversation. What's number four? Yeah. Number four is, this is a tricky one. This is one that a lot of photographers struggle with, and I bring it up. And it's seeking positive emotion to anchor decision-making to. Hmm. Um, so we talked about FOMO before, right? Yeah. Um, how many times have you heard of photographer try to sell like this? You need a wedding album, right? Like in in thirty years from now, what happens if there's a different media, like a mm. USB or something, right? You got to have a wedding album. I mean, come on, you got to have a wedding album. But the problem is, is no matter how much I, I want the wedding album, or I want them to have the wedding album, doesn't make them want a wedding album more. You know, we have to speak in their language. Um, yeah. So. I think a lot of times that fear comes from a place of desperation. We get into that uh, throwing freebies in and and trying to add value some way without really doing the work of of building that connection. And then um, when something comes up, when you know it's going to be best for them, you know the photographs are going to be better because of it. If you haven't built that trust, you can't say spend this other thousand dollars or spend this five hundred dollars. Um, so maybe maybe a good way to 
uh, maybe I can role play this a little bit um, sure. and give you kind of like an actual idea. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's two options. Let's say, so uh, I have an a la carte system. Uh, my uh, couples add on a lot of different things throughout their packages, right? And the number one add on is an additional photographer, two photographers. Um, in my packages, it's just me, and then they can choose to add somebody else on. So there's two options, right? There's the FOMO option. So let me run through this. Um, hey, groom, do you want an additional photographer to photograph the morning of your wedding? How much is that? Uh, it's 1100 bucks. No, thanks. I'm okay without it. Are you sure? Um, I mean, it can be strange to see the, the groom for the first time at the altar when the bride had this whole morning of photographs. Yeah, it's okay. I'm all good. Thanks anyway. That's the FOMO side of it. That's how most of us sell, right? But if we say, I know that the coverage is going to be way better if, if it's a large wedding, 200 people or whatever, if, if there, a second photographer is needed, I'm not just going to ask him that. I'm going to say, hey, man, um, so how's the wedding planning going? Did you select your, your groomsmen yet? Yeah, I did. Uh, it's, it's going well. The, I, I got my, my guys. Um, oh, okay, great. Who did you select to be in there with you? Mm. Well, I've got my, my brother, Matt, as my best man, my buddies, Nick and John, and my longtime friend, Dan. Oh, okay, cool. How, how long have you known those guys? Uh, you know, when did they come into your life? Well, I've known Dan since middle school. Uh, obviously, my brother, Matt, I've known my entire life, and my buddies, Nick and John, are college and work friends. Wow. So, and it's me talking again, like, wow. So, your brother is obviously very important to you as your best man. It's pretty amazing that you've known Dan since middle school, and your relationship and your friendship continues. That's rare, isn't it? Yeah, man. We've surely had some adventures together, right? Ha ha. Uh, will they all be there on your wedding morning getting ready with you? Yeah, probably. I haven't really thought that far out yet, but but yeah, probably. Um, so you've known these guys for 20 plus years. In another 20 years, what do you think it will mean to have photographs of these guys who you've known for your whole life there supporting you on your wedding morning? Actually, I, I hadn't thought about it that way. Probably a lot. Uh, my brother and Dan and I have, have been through a lot already. Uh, it'd be cool to have those photos to look back on. That is my thoughts exactly. Um, it's for that reason I'm going to suggest uh, an additional photographer as part of your wedding photography package. How does that sound? Nice. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. How much is that? 1100 bucks. Phew. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. That's a big difference. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I was writing down, just again, kind of summing up the thought, sell good feelings, not FOMO or not fear. And yep. That's a really great way to put it. I Man, I'm telling you, I'm. it's so cringy to me. I, first of all, let me set the baseline here. I, yep. IPS... Fascinating concept. I know I missed yep. out as a photography business owner when I was shooting, not taking part in that. I missed out on a lot yep. of revenue. But there is a part of, and I know this is not everybody's approach, but I know that there is a part of some of the IPS that goes on and that is taught, which is very much centered around kind of what you were talking about, selling on FOMO or fear. And in some cases, uh, fake scarcity, which frankly, just to me is just straight up it's almost like dishonesty, just like lying to my couple in order to make yep. them feel this sense of urgency. So they go spend more money. And that just, it feels gross to me. It does. Whereas if you are focusing on their experience and the significance of their experience and then suggesting, oh, by the way, what do you, you know, what do you think about a second photographer? I mean, the way that you worded it was much more impactful, but right. that setting it up in that way which is focused on their benefit and not some something that is associated with fear, FOMO, so much more powerful. And, and, yeah. I, and it may sound simplistic, but it just doesn't feel gross in comparison to what yeah. I'm hearing taught and, and, well, ultimately taught by other photographers in the industry. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's not trickery. Right. Like I'm trying to not be, um, deceptive or, or be like overly playing on a mode. But I also know that like 
these pictures in the morning, if I'm just talking about additional photographer, these pictures in the morning are going to be meaningful to him. So I need to speak to that part of him. Um, if it's a wedding album, um, you know, there, there are ways to talk about the wedding album without it just being FOMO. You can, um, I don't know, you can dive in and talk about, um, how in 30 years from now, like what will, there's no romance to flipping through a, uh, you know, a 500 pictures on your, your laptop. Um, and what will it mean to curl up and, and snuggle and relive that day? Um, what will it mean to, you know, Four years from now, you probably won't look at it that much, but each day, you know, as in 30 years from now, when you open it up, you'll be able to look at each other while you're snuggling on the couch, uh, as you know, maybe before your children's wedding and still say, you know, I'm so glad you look at me that way or whatever. Right. Um, you know, there are things that I think we have to just speak in terms of what the benefit is for that person. Mm. Um, and as soon as if the couple says no, Fine. That's okay. I've said my piece. I'm not, yeah. I'm not trying to persuade them, you know? Uh, but I think that's where it, it feels gross where you just don't take no for an answer. It's like, all right, here's what I believe. Here's what I know from my, uh, you know, from the perspective and the, um, uh, and the, this is dad brain happening right now. Here's what I know from my perspective <laughs> and, uh, and the experience that I have. Um, and if they still say no, that's okay. Yeah. That's all right. No, that's good. I, I prefer that way more over this, especially the fake scarcity thing. You have a week to buy these pictures or they're gone forever. Like we all know you've got a hard drive with the pictures in there. Don't don't yeah. give me this BS. I'm deleting them. Yeah. 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 Come on. Not good. It, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll move on from that. We have a number <laughs> cool. five to cover here and we're finishing up. We've got a few minutes. Let's cool. let's go to number five, if you will. Uh, number five, I think, is kind of like the culmination of all these things. And it's for me, this was a belief, right? Because remember, these are concepts that I was using to think about my business and and how to transform it and and just make it more valuable, find more joy in photographing it and, and get my couples to be uh, my walking, talking billboards, my cheerleaders. And number five is referrals are the most valuable form of marketing currency. They're not the only form of marketing currency, but they are the most valuable. Um there is so much talk about uh, Instagram and Facebook and SEO, um, but the problem is, is that platforms are constantly changing, right? Like, what's the big news of you know the last month or two? Instagram is changing. They're be they're not a photo platform anymore. They're an entertainment platform, and people freaked out, right? The Google algorithm changes hundreds of times per day or per, per year. You know what doesn't change? That, that would be the scary way, if it was 100 times a day. 100 times a day. <laughs> maybe, yeah, that would maybe be a little bit does. scary. 100 times a year. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if anybody follows Sam Hurd, but Sam Hurd's Instagram account like a couple months ago was like gone. Something yeah. happened um, and he, it was gone for like a couple of days or something. He was able to get it all back. But like that is his livelihood. That's scary. Um And, you know, he's, he's so amazing uh, and he's got his Patreon and all that stuff. But like I just kept thinking like, how that stuff can be taken away so easily but the one thing that cannot be taken away is the way your your favorite clients or your best clients or any of your clients think and feel about you mm. right yeah. um you know like i have wedding planner friends and and uh wedding coordinators who are at venues that have moved to other other venues and taken me with them because they like the way that i uh, approach weddings they like that i share pictures all that kind of stuff um i think that referrals are the foundation of your marketing pyramid, right? Like uh, Instagram and social media and all that stuff is definitely is definitely part of it, SEO. But I think word of mouth should be the basis of it. I have couples um, from 
eight years ago now that I can attribute $50,000 or more of weddings to just, wow. just from like that one couple, right? This one mom, um, who I'm photographing their fourth child, uh, sounds weird to say child. They're like uh, adults. Um, this mom, Mama P, I photographed all of her children's weddings and the final one will be next June, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that mom loves me. I have a great relationship with her and a great relationship with that family. Uh, but I think this is where so many photographers are not putting their time and energy uh, into client experience, which then turns into referrals and having people just uh, spread the love and share your name because they just can't help but not share it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I would say... The majority of our business, wedding photography business, was built on referrals. But this actually brings me back to a point of conversation you and I had before we started the live stream today, which yeah. is the difference between referrals from clients or past clients and then referrals from vendors or venues. Talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that from your experience. Do you feel like more weight needs to be put on one or the other, depending on how or what your business model is? So I'm a big fan of slow growth. I think slow growth is... Um, is more manageable. Um, but I also understand that some photographers are at different stages, right? So I think if you're in like that middle to late ground, um, and you've got this like massive couples who you photograph their weddings, digging into that and, and maybe rekindling some of those relationships, maybe, um, I don't know, like this one couple, uh, who I can attribute $50,000 worth of weddings to, I sent them a gift basket that was basically worth $400. It was a beautiful gift basket wow. with wine and stuff in it. But then also it was a $100 gift card to the uh, this restaurant in Philly called Tria uh, that we had our final meeting at before their wedding. Right, So it was like a little nostalgia. It was like four or five years later. Yeah. And I just told, like, said how thankful I was. But that's later, I think, in the process. If you're in the thick of it, uh, like getting started maybe year one or two, um, going after wedding venues is a, a great option, but I think the way that you approach it, I think is important. Um, if you walk in there saying, Hey, what I would love to work with you, what can I do to work with you? That just, that talks about everything that you need, right? Um, ra- but rather be of service, right? Like before every single wedding that I do, uh, if it's a new venue, I'll email them and just say, Hey, uh, maybe it's a couple months out. Obviously, with COVID, this is a little bit difficult too, but uh, I'll uh, email them and say, hey, you know, I, I've never worked at your venue. I'd love to maybe come by and uh, have you show me what your venue does best. Mm-hmm. And then while we're walking around, I'll ask them what holes they have in their, their marketing or their advertising that I can um, help support that side of them. And then after the wedding, uh, I kind of play dumb. It's, it's stupid, but it works. Um, we're all to say, hey, you know, um, uh, we had that great time. The wedding was, this wedding was amazing. This was the couple. And rather than just sending the wedding gallery to them, I'll say, hey, would you like to see any of the photographs from the wedding? And now they have to respond. It's amazing how many venues won't respond if you just put the link in there. They just go into the link, download the pictures, send a thank you, good to go. Interesting. So I get them to respond. Hey, would you like me to um, put together a little highlights folder or do you want the whole gallery? And it's it's stretching it out a little bit. but uh, you know, it it gets me into a conversation with them, um, and and just allows me to make it look like I'm serving them in a deeper way. Uh, and the last little tidbit is I forgot to mention uh, this. This one actually came from my wife and a, a female wedding planner who uh, I'm very good friends with. They said, when you go to meet with any planner, you must bring a gift. 
And I was like, okay, are you sure? And, and gifting is totally normal for me. But um, so I always, I go, went to Lowe's and I buy these like little $7 succulent things that like need to be watered maybe like once, uh, once a year, basically. Okay. And I show up and I'm like, if you work in a home office or you work in like a back dungeon office like me, um, here's a little, a little something just to hopefully brighten your day. Um, and here's a little flower you can put on your desk or whatever. And the amount of times that I show up at the wedding a couple months later and that plant is still on their desk uh, or they mention it to me every time. So now I want them to see me on their desk every single time when they sit down. Yeah. So yeah, it's just these little things. And, and hopefully it's not too prickly. Uh, well, I guess succulents aren't usually prickly. Are they? I was thinking about a cactus, but yeah, okay. No, I, I just don't want the, like, the prickly cactus to remind them of you. <laughs> yeah, no, not that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, but in all seriousness, though, I, Daniel, I, th- I think the, the fact that you are so focused on leading with value, you say you're a natural gift giver, but you want to add value to, to people's lives naturally, yeah. and you're doing so so intentionally with clients and vendors both. And I think it's just a really, really great reminder for all of us, myself included, by the way, um, to, to do this. It's, it's amazing how genuine intention and in investing in a relationship can go so far. And by the way, yeah. people know, and I know you know this, but people know the difference between the BS version of that and the person who genuinely wants to invest in a relationship. Yep. You can hear it in the tone of the voice. You can see it, the look in their face and their eyes. Yep. And um, unfortunately, our industry, a lot of that fake, stuff happens and we see it pretty regularly, not just from photographers, but other vendors as well. Those yeah. who are truly and genuinely invested in the relationships, um, they're going to be able to make not only a great impact, but ultimately be able to grow their business more effectively. And, and, uh, it sounds like you're well on your way to that. I know that this has been, I, we're having to kind of almost cut the conversation short because we could have gone so many different directions, but I want to bring <laughs> up your, your site actually here, thefocusphotographers.com and just give you an opportunity. And you didn't even ask me to do this, but I, I just want to give you an opportunity because you brought a lot of value today just to share a little bit about Focus Photographers, your podcast for our listeners. Um, wow, you put me on the spot here. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, Focus Photographers came out of uh, just me wanting to teach a little bit of this uh, non-traditional approach to photographers um, really to, I don't know, it's it's for anybody. It's for somebody who's like just starting out that wants a different, uh, that wants to like get off on, you know, kind of like rocketing up and and have a, a like a comprehensive approach towards how do you uh, start a business that uh, brings you joy and puts your um, your enjoyment first. Uh, but then there's also um, photographers who have been in it for a while, kind of like I was, where I needed a different way. Um, I needed a way that put my my enjoyment uh, and uh, filling my cup uh, also at center stage. Um, and and also uh, just help me build a business that uh, was working for me. So uh, that's really where it came out of. Uh, and I, even though I love to talk and I'm uh, very much a talker, I have a group of buddies who are like, the way you approach weddings is different. And you need to start talking about it. You need to start talking about it. So it's still in its infancy. Um, you know, I'm I'm going to be launching one to one mentoring, which is the first time I'm talking about that. Um, I've been doing mentoring on the side with a bunch of photographers, but I'm actually launching and taking applications for it, uh, for January. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's just for photographers to, um, you know, learn a different way, learn this way of putting like your couple first, almost to a fault, um, and really serving people on a, a very deep level that is very enjoyable and fills your soul as much as, um, as serves them. 
Well, and I have to, to highlight the fact too, I'm, I'm looking in your site here that you've got this whole section called gifts for you. Um, it's, it's very much fitting of your brand, but we'll make sure to, to link to the site, focusphotographers.com for everybody listening in. You can learn more. And I think there, there might even be, uh, a, there's a little bit of a freebie there. You've got, right. Learn how to level up your business by supercharging your couples and sign up there for yeah. that. That's actually, um, those five concepts that I just went over. It's yeah. basically like a mini little email course. Um, it comes out over five days and it's, it's much shorter than what I just talked about. Uh, it's my basically the same five points that I went over in very succinct um, course-like format over five days, like you know, two minutes worth of reading in the morning. That's brilliant. No, that'll be a great review for all of our listeners. So we'll link to all this in the show notes at bookapodcast.com, focusphotographers.com. For anybody watching, you can see that up here on the screen. Uh, Daniel, I really appreciate you making time to do this today. Uh, I mean, this truly, awesome. and I said this to you before we got started. I was like, you know, it, this podcast really is primarily about adding practical value, value a- actionable value. And uh, you very much did that and more today. So I, I truly appreciate you making time for all of our listeners. Uh, everybody listening in, make sure you go to focusedphotographers.com. Uh, as well as danielmoyerphotography.com. And we'll link to these in the show notes along with the Instagram accounts. Thanks again, Daniel. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you so much.